Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Well Builders Live, where we're talking about today's hottest topics on policy and faith and the culture, always from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective, especially on the constitutional side today, Foundations of Freedom Thursday. It's a chance for us to dive into those founding principles, and we love it when you pick the topics. So please send in your questions to us, radio at wallbuilders.com. That's radio at wallbuilders.com. It might be a question about the Constitution itself and the original intent of the Founding Fathers. It might be about the Founding Fathers. It could be about a policy of today and how to look at that from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. But send those questions in. We'd love to hear from you, and we're going to get to as many of them as we possibly can today. We're here with David Barton. He's America's premier historian and our founder here at Wall Builders. Tim Barton's with us, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And my name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator. The two websites you can find out more about us at are wallbuilderslive.com and wallbuilders.com. And at either of those websites, we would really appreciate it if you consider us for a gift. It helps us to continue this good word and actually spread the program, get it in front of more people. So the more people we get this education in front of, the more people we can inspire to be a part of the solution, to actually live out their freedom, be good citizens, apply biblical principles to our government at the local, county, state, and federal level, the more likely we save our constitutional republic. All of that is made possible by you, by our listeners. You're the ones that donate and make it possible for us to get this good word out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. And if you haven't done that yet and you enjoy our program, we would encourage you to go to wallbuilderslive.com today and make that donation. All right, David, Tim, uh, we got a lot of uh, questions we're going to try to get to today. And our first one is coming from Jeremy. He said, hello, Wall Builders, for the U.S. Senate. After the recent election, the seats show us having 49 Republicans, 49 Democrats, and two independents. But the media and the Democrats claim they control the Senate 51 to 49. Why is this? Thank you, Jeremy from Texas. Jeremy, great question. You have challenged us to not just do history, Constitution, and Bible, but we have to do math. We got to do math, too, (laughs) guys. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, math, too, I guess is part of it. There's a... (laughs) There's some math in the Constitution since you have to figure out how many seats and how many states. So I, I guess That's it fits right. with it. So it, That's right. And, and really, it, the media gets it right. There are 51 Democrats. Technically, there are two independents, but they caucus with the Democrats, which means they meet with them, they make plans with them, uh, they do the committee work with them, et cetera. Um, now, Cinema is probably a little less with them than King is. And you got a, you got a senator from Maine and a senator from Arizona in Arizona, she was uh, a, a Democrat, kind of as a protest. She said, I'm not Democrat anymore. I'm going independent. That can be good for her back home, quite frankly. Uh, but it's like the guy from, from Maine. Try to find him voting with Republicans on anything. I mean, he, he claims to be independent. He gets elected as independent. But if you look at his voting record and line it up with Democrats or Republicans, it's going to be about 98% Democrat, maybe 2% Republican, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, the cinema is probably going to be more like 87, 88 percent Democrat and maybe 10, 12 percent Republican. So both of them caucus on the Democrat side. So essentially, there are 51 Democrats because they're not going to vote for a Republican speaker like McConnell. Uh, they're going to go with Schumer. And when it comes to those kind of things, that's why they call them Democrats. Yeah. So and, and it'll probably you know stay that way, 51, 49 over the over the next two years. And, and uh, un- unfortunately, it makes it even easier 
for the Democrats in the Senate than the last uh, the last couple of years. But uh, hopefully the House can muck up the works of the leftist that have been trying to run roughshod over the country and dramatically change the nation. All right, next question is going to come from the great state of Texas out of Arlington. John sends this. Dear Wall Builders, after the recent midterm elections, I was admittedly a little discouraged until I tuned into the Wall Builders podcast. I so appreciate the positive outlook, which emanates from your show, even when the circumstances seem, ne- seem negative. That said, I recently heard a pastor whom I admire say that he believes we have seen the last free and fair elections in the United States I went back to feeling a little discouraged about the future of our country. I've got three little boys, ages four, two, and almost four months, and I'm greatly concerned about the country I'll be passing on to them. Ultimately, I know our hope is not in this world, and I have faith that God will take care of my children no matter what happens to the U.S., but it also saddens me to think that the best days of our country could be behind us. My question is this, what reasons do we have to hope that our country will turn itself around and continue to be, as Abraham Lincoln said, the last best hope of earth? God bless from John in Arlington. And first of all, John, God bless you for those three boys, and uh, you are raising up the remnant, brother. You're raising up warriors for Christ and warriors for liberty, and don't forget that. Lots you can do to be a part of the solution. So, uh, David, Tim, I mean, you know, this is really what we're all about, is having that biblical worldview, even when things are negative, you know, even if it does look like we're losing a particular fight. But I actually see a lot of hope out there as well. And I'm not, you know, being Pollyanna here. I'm not just waving the flag and hoping there's not anything bad. We know there's a lot of destruction in the country. We've poured a lot of poison and garbage into the culture. That's going to have negative effects. But we do stay optimistic around here because, you know, we've got that John Quincy Adams mentality. Yeah, and, and Rick, first of all, let me point out, I'm not sure how long you'll be able to use the Pollyanna expression um, that you're not just Pollyanna, because I already think there's probably a lot of listeners who are not sure who Pollyanna is. Polly who? It, 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 like, possible, right? Possible, maybe. Uh, audience is still familiar with the old Disney Pollyanna. But, yeah, as you mentioned, John Quincy Adams is a great example of our philosophy that where John Quincy Adams, as he was fighting against slavery in the U.S. House, he's a leader of the anti-slavery movement, and he's not seeing the success, the, the results that he would hope for in that position And when that reporter came to him one day and said, Mr. Adams, how do you stay motivated when you haven't been successful, when when there's not a practical benefit from all the labor and effort you've been putting in? And his response was based on his life motto. He wrote that his life motto was the duty is ours, results are God's. What he tells the reporter is essentially, it's only my job to do the right thing. It's up to God what happens after that. And, And this is our position that we are going to consistently take. It's a position similar to... Uh, Caleb and Joshua from the Bible, where they were two of the leaders chosen when, when the, the 12 tribes were going to go take the promised land. And Moses said, hey, let's choose a leader from each of the 12 tribes. We'll send them in, spy out the land, come back and give us a report. It was only Joshua and Caleb that came back and said, man, let's go take this land. Because everybody else said, look at the giants. It's too big. It's too challenging. It's too hard. And Joshua and Caleb even acknowledged, yes, there are giants, but if God has called us to do this, we should go at once and let us take the land God has given us. And our position is always going to be the Joshua's and Caleb's that there's certainly, we don't want to be ignorant and pretend like there's not giants in the lands. Yes, there's absolutely giants in the land, but there's no giant greater than the God that we serve. And what we know from multiple places in the New Testament, Jesus and and really all the gospels, you can find this narrative is what's impossible with man is still possible with God. And that is the the philosophy, the theology that we have at our back as we approach this. Now, with that being said, practically speaking, will there be fair 
and free elections in the future, I think in some states it can be much more challenging than others. I think in states where they are going to an entirely mail-in ballot, where they allow ballot harvesting, and in ballot harvesting where somebody can go maybe even pay, and, and, and like literally, we know this has happened, it's, it's been documented, it's been reported, where people have paid to gather ballots, and paid people for their ballots, and then they harvest all those ballots and they go turn them in. When this kind of stuff happens, it does it, it does make you wonder if you can ever win an election when when cheating is allowed. And there are questions in some states regarding that. Now, that doesn't give people an excuse not to do the right thing, not to get involved, not to be part of the process or part of the solution. And I think the majority of people in those states, even the people who their side might be winning, they would still look at that because I think there's still enough underlying character and integrity in most people to recognize that's not the way we want the system to go. That's that's not the way it should go. And maybe for some people, you need to start an education campaign to help educate people with truth and morality so that we can have a sense of what is right and wrong and restore some of those things. But for the majority of states, there is still reason to believe that there is fair and honest elections. And some of the bigger problems we face are just people having such a bad ideology and worldview. Rick, as you mentioned, you know, when when you have three sons that that in this case he's raising, as you're raising the remnant, what we really need is a rising generation, once again, to have a moral code and moral compass, where John Adams pointed out that our Constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It was wholly inadequate to the government of any other. If you don't have a moral foundation, America is not going to survive anyway. Our, our, our Constitution will not work if we don't have a moral foundation. And what we are seeing a lack of right now in the culture is a moral and a religious foundation. And so if we try to get elections back to where they're free and fair, which I would argue in many states, they do have free and fair elections. And in some of these states, it didn't turn out the way we would have wanted it. Why? Because we didn't have the underlying values in people who were voting. And until you can restore those underlying values, you won't see the outcome, even if you have free and fair elections. So our, our bigger uphill battle, the giants that we need to fight and deal with, first of all, we need to disciple our own families. We, we need to invest in our own families, raising up a generation of people that do know truth exists, that do have a idea of what right and wrong is as defined in the Bible, that have that moral value based on the Christian religion. We need to raise up a generation, but then we need to engage those around us, whether it's the people that we go to church with, the people that we work with, our friend group. We need to start disseminating this information of the religious, the moral foundation of the nation, the things we need to restore in our lives. Because once we again restore religion and morality in the people, we've set up a foundation upon which the Constitution can once again work and thrive, where there's a lot of people today arguing we should replace the Constitution. The problem isn't that we have a broken Constitution. It's that we have broken hearts and minds in the people of this nation, and we need the Christian faith once again, to permeate through people, because once we have that underlying religion and morality, the founding fathers talk so often about, we are in a place that can work again. So I, I definitely think we can win elections again in the future. I just think we, our, our bigger problem is not the election. Our bigger problem is the hearts and minds of people, and especially the hearts and minds of rising generations, which if we look at some of the exit polls from the last election, uh, where where President Biden had a huge huge majority of the vote was for rising generations, was for those in their 20s and their 30s. Um, I mean, just astronomical, the advantage that Joe Biden had 
over Donald Trump. And it's because the rising generation has not been given the same sense of moral values or the morals that they're being governed by are that Donald Trump was bad. He was mean. He was evil. January 6th, right? Whatever else it was, they're being given bad information. And what we have to change is the educational, the information, but the religion and the moral values. That's where we have to invest. And we can see, again, we can see elections won. It's also worth noting, if you look at the American Revolution, I, I, think, I think it's a prime example for some of what we're battling. The American Revolution, there were more than 200 battles in the American Revolution. George Washington was only a part of 17 of those battles, uh, maybe 13 of those battles, 17 battles, uh, and he only won six of those battles. And I said 13 because four of them uh, were a draw. He won six, he lost seven, but he only won six of the 17 battles he was in. And right, George Washington wasn't even a part of the majority of battles that were being fought. And the majority of battles that Americans fought and we lost, the majority of battles that Washington fought and he lost, but we won the war in America because we kept showing up and we kept fighting and kept fighting until we won the war. Just because we lose a battle doesn't mean we're going to lose the war. You only lose the war when you stop fighting the battle. And as long as we will stay engaged in this cultural battle for the heart, the soul, the spirit, the mind of America, if we will stay engaged in this, we can see things turned around. Again, going back to the Joshua's and Caleb, recognizing there is a God and God is greater than any giant we're dealing with. But there are some major giants in the land that we do need to address All that again, wrapping up the summary is I do think that we can see fair and honest elections again, but we have a lot of work to do to be able to trust the outcome we see in all 50 states and certainly in the nation. And and let me just add to that. I think attitude's everything. The only way this is the last free and fair election we've had is if we're all a bunch of quitters. We have to walk off the ball field for them to win every, every down from here on out. They've got to have no competition. And I'm just not willing to let that happen. I'm, I'm not willing to go there. That's like saying there's a person that Jesus can't save. We don't believe that as Christians. We believe no matter how bad you are, how screwed up your life is, Jesus can still save you. There's no place in this country we can't get that it can't be turned around if we decide we want to turn it around and get engaged. Uh, Tim and I came across something recently. I'm just going to share a little piece of, of, of history that I think is really good. But back in 1780 in colonial colonial Connecticut, they were having a legislative session. Now, this is still in the American Revolution. We have not won yet. Uh, this is toward the end of it. And what's happening is they're in the legislature in Connecticut, and they came up, it was on May the 19th, 1780, with what was called the dark day. For some reason, suddenly in the middle of the day, the sky went black. I mean, it just flat went dark. Uh, there was no explanation at that time what it was. And people said, oh my gosh, it's a judgment day. Judgment day is here. And so they said, we need to, to get home. We need to close down the legislature and, and go home. And, and there was a guy there named Abraham Davenport. And Abraham Davenport, what he did was he said, well, he says, the day of judgment's either approaching or it's not. If it is not, then there's no cause for an adjournment. But if it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, the candles may be brought. This may be a really dark day. It may look like the end of the world. But I'm supposed to be doing stuff when he comes back. So you guys bring some candles so we can keep working through this dark day. And it literally was a a day of of blackness where they had to bring candles in in the middle of the day just to see what they're doing. Well, that's kind of where we are now. The only way that we have no more free and fair elections is if we decide that this is Judgment Day and we're all quitting. We're going to sit around until God comes back. And that's just not an option for me. And I I hope it's not an option for most Christians. And I hope we don't take that attitude 
Uh, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When you start thinking you've been defeated, you're going to act like you've been defeated, and you will be defeated. You just can't get to that point. And going back to Pollyanna, if anybody knows who Pollyanna is, that's not a Pollyanna attitude. That's a biblical attitude. It's Joshua and Caleb saying, hey, we don't care how big the giants are. We love smacking giants. This is going to be a lot of fun. Or you've got the other 10 guys who are saying, hey, this is the last free and fair election we're ever going to have. This is the way it's going to be that the Canaanites rule the land. No, no, no. Not unless we walk away. So I, I'm with Tim on this. This is all in our court. This is our attitude. Yeah, we got an enemy, but this is a lot of a self-inflicted wound. As Christians have walked away from politics, it's gotten a lot messier. And now we don't like the mess. Well, we shouldn't have walked away. So let's walk back into it and get it again. And that's on us, not them. Amen. Amen. Good work, guys. And, uh, you know, I'll just say, uh, first of all, Pollyanna, a novel from 1913. And the character in that, I think Anna Paula, Anna something anyway, uh, was extremely cheerful. And it became like the ultimate optimist. So there's nothing wrong with being optimistic. But, you know, when I, when I say don't be Pollyanna or we're not being Pollyanna, um, you know, I learned this from you, David, years ago. Good, the bad, and the ugly, man. Look at all of it and uh, and, and learn from all of it. Uh, but I also learned, you know, listen, if you're optimistic and you have that, you know, duty is ours, results are God's, and you get in the fight every day, uh, you're going to enjoy life a lot more. And Ronald Reagan, of course, taught us to be happy warriors uh, we don't have to be angry all the time, and, and you know, we can come across with righteous anger and joy at the same time because of our belief in, and uh, and where our joy comes from. So, uh, just just good work, guys. Thank y'all for sharing that so much. And 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 I'm you know I'm watching good stuff happen, and 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 in our work with young people, we're seeing God raise up a remnant. I mean, even watching a bunch of the swearing in, swearing in uh, ceremonies last week in Congress and other places with Patriot Academy graduates all over the place becoming. You know, school board members and city council members and several members of Congress now, and and even watching uh, several of our our graduates giving speeches on the on the floor during the during the speakers' fight. I mean, it's just it's just exciting to see these people with a biblical foundation leading in those arenas. Doesn't mean we're winning everything, but it means we're doing our duty and uh, and we're, and we're leaving the results to God. But we're doing our duty. We're in the fight. Quick break. We've got more questions coming your way. Stay with us. You're listening to Walter. This is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. Welcome back to Wallbutters. Thanks for staying with us on this Foundations of Freedom Thursday. Next question that came from the audience. This is really unfair. We're doing a second Texas question in one show. Uh, so sorry to all you other states out there. Jeremy in Henderson, Texas says, David, Tim, and Rick, we really need to start shrinking the federal government by closing federal agencies and canceling federal laws that are not authorized under the Constitution. But with the exception of Ted Cruz, I've not heard any other politician 
even discuss this. To get this uh, to occur, we need politicians who are willing to discuss and take action on this as they serve. Are y'all seeing discussions or actions around the topic of implementing more federalism? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Jeremy in Henderson, Texas. All right, guys, so, we, of course, we get to talk to a lot of these members of Congress behind the scenes, and we know there's a lot of them uh, that are are talking about this and fighting for this, just not enough in, in the majority yet. So I, I think Jeremy's right about what he would love to see happen, um, and I would want to encourage him to know that it's not just Ted, who's who's been great on a lot of these issues, but lots of other ones as well, and they're gaining. I think we're getting more and more like that. They're gaining, and there's a lot of state legislators as well. Uh, at the last two conferences we've had, we spent a lot of time on the Tenth Amendment and the enumerated powers. Uh, the federal government is allowed by the Constitution only to do 17 things. But you know what? You can't hold them in those 17 things if you can't list what those 17 things are. And most citizens don't have a clue what the limits are. And I think part of the problem, too, that, that we have right now is, is actually part of the question Jeremy asked. And it's Look, how, how do we get more on implementing federalism? Well, right now, 70 percent of Americans consider federalism to be a negative term because they think that means more federal government. Federalism means less federal government. So we're fighting a fight right now that we're behind on education. We're behind on knowing what the Constitution says. We're behind on knowing what federalism is. We're behind on knowing why that's such a healthy thing to have. And what you'll see is what starts coming out up top is what they're getting pressure from at the bottom. So when we start talking about federalism at the school boards and saying, you know what, the federal government doesn't have any say over the schools in our state because education belongs to the states, and therefore at the school board, we're just going to ignore a lot of these crazy mandates that come from the feds. Well, once you start getting school boards and city councils and and state legislators talking about federalism, some of those guys get elected, and even when they don't, they talk to the guys that are there. And I'm going to say that probably the overwhelming majority of congressmen, I'm counting Democrats as well as Republicans, so I'd say probably 60 to 65 percent of the members of Congress cannot name half the enumerated powers that the federal government's limited to. And so if you don't know what you're limited to, you're going to get into everything, and that's just where they are. So I think the answer to the problem we got is it's an education problem, which means it will not happen quickly. We need to start as we're looking at school boards now and city councils and junior college races and whatever else is on the local ballot. We need to start training people on, hey, here's what federalism is. By the way, while we're at this, let me just point out that Wall Builders, we have recently reprinted a book from 1828. That book is called Stansbury's Elementary Catechism on the Constitution. This was a book that was used in schools in 1828 to teach the Constitution. It's a question and answer book. It's a really good book. And I think that probably a lot of those maybe third, fourth graders, whatever they were back then, probably no more than a lot of our federal judges today because we went through this kind of knowledge of the book. And so for people who really want to learn what federalism is and what the federal government can do and can't do and and where the limitations are and why federalism is a good thing, not a bad thing, uh, I I urge you to go to wallbuilders.com, go to the, the store there. And look for Stanberry's Catechism on the Constitution. 1828 reprint is a great way to learn this, but that's what it's going to have to get back to is we've got to learn where the lines are before we can start asking our congressmen to stay in the lines. Uh, right now, there's no lines in the coloring book, and they're coloring anywhere they want to. We've got to show them where the lines are, and that's us, not them. I think it's appropriate that you uh, point out this is a coloring book because I feel like that's the educational level of some of the people we deal with that don't understand some of these basic thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you know, so often when we look at, at at where the nation is, politics, governments, constitution today, 
we, we have an expectation that things should go a certain way. And, and the problem is we live in a world where reality is now defined based on our thoughts, our feelings, our wants, and our desires, because we've lost the foundation of truth and reality. We, we, we don't, generally speaking, we, we don't even always have pastors to say, let's go back and see what the Bible says. We, we literally, I, I've seen over the last week or two, social media memes where there are churches, and I'm saying memes are actually videos, but the, where churches have created new worship songs that are specifically changing theology and doctrine, embracing all kinds of sexual immorality, what the Bible clearly defines sexual morality, and they're saying, no, we accept right? The homosexual and the transgender and the gay and the lesbian, like this is in worship songs at some of these churches. We're in a place where people are, instead of going back and saying, what is truth? What does the Bible say? What's actually in the constitution? We are changing the definition to be what we want, think, or feel. And we have to get back to the foundation of what does the constitution actually say? What are those actual enumerated powers? What, what can they actually do? And then what belongs to the people? What belongs to the states? Because guys, I, I've heard a move and we actually are part of promoting the move of saying we need to restore states' rights, which is federalism. But but I really haven't heard even much of a move to say we need to restore the individual and alienable rights to the people because there are an incredible amount of our God-given rights that as much as we need to restore states' rights, there's a lot of individual and alienable rights that people have that are being removed and revoked and attacked and taxed and everything else. And there should be a move to preserve those as well. But this, again, goes back to even recognizing what is in the Constitution. What, what's the foundation of this? What's in the Bill of Rights? The Ninth and Tenth Amendment? Why was this part of the original Bill of Rights of the Constitution? Because the Founding Fathers recognized, and the states that ratified this at that time recognized, there needs to be greater constraints put on the federal government because the federal government left unchecked and unbalanced is going to go the wrong way and make the wrong decisions. And that's a lot of what we're seeing today which is, again, the reason we have to get back to knowing the truth of the Bible, of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, et cetera. The last thing I'll say and chime in as we're, as we're fading out here is make it fun. Make it exciting. That's one of the things Wobblers does so well through these bio uh, books and, the, and the Chasing American Legends and taking you to the places where it all happened. I mean, use those fun stories so the young, young people don't get bored with history um, or, or, or founding fathers or that sort of thing, but they actually get excited about reliving those things because it can be really it can be very fun and entertaining if you do it in the right way thanks so much for listening today thanks for being part of foundations of freedom thursday thanks for sending in all your questions we will get to as many of them as possible next thursday but we're out of time for today again be sure and visit wallbuilderslive.com and wallbuilders.com make that donation to help us spread this all across the country and get even more people equipped and inspired thanks for listening you've been listening to wallbuilders live Stand undivided